1: There's a grand difference between these two thoughts. I need to work harder versus I need to draw closer. And one of those, the the one is a grand dependence upon what myself can accomplish. I need to work harder. That's something that I do. But when I understand I need to draw closer, then it's focused on the reality of what's already been accomplished for me in Christ, what Christ has already done on my behalf. And I focus on that, and in that, that's where I see the changes start coming to me. It's not a forced thing
0: at that point in time. All of the world religions attempt to teach man how to work their way to God. However, despite man's best efforts, he can never reach enlightenment or perfection. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that what differentiates Christianity from all other religions is that Christ's followers come to the Lord fully admitting that they can never obtain perfection in their own strength. Instead, believers approach God by faith. Christians believe that Jesus paid the debt of sin on the cross, and through His blood, they have the righteousness of God. Now here's Pastor David with part two of his message, All Guardians of the Faith, an introduction from the book of 2 Peter.
1: That religion is pure and genuine. It's like the good axe with which a man can chop all day long in which there's no flaw and which does not get dull, which answers all the purposes of an axe. Any other religion than this, he says, is worthless. Any other religion than this is worthless second peter is written by simon peter we remember him that gruff rough old fisherman i don't know how old he was but he was a fisherman his mouth was a size 10 and a half double e as <laughs> of always putting his foot in his mouth okay and yet the lord jesus brought him on as a disciple and even in all of his failings as a disciple the lord jesus called him an apostle and sent him out even with those failures he was gifted in evangelism and he was used in planting of many churches and he was persecuted for the faith as a matter of fact he was martyred by the faith but he was also an encourager of the church and this is the simon peter that writes to us here in these pages and just as we've gone through 1 Peter and we looked at 1 Peter again about that idea of our heavenly citizenship, the fact that, yes, we're living here presently as, as strangers, as aliens in this world, but we have a home, we have a citizenship in heaven. Well, 2 Peter continues with a theme of encouragement to the church that we be defenders of the faith against false teachers and against deceivers that were already coming into the church. In 2 Peter, he encourages the church also about the reality and the truth of the second coming of christ That jesus is coming he is coming and we can put our focus we can put our heart and our reality it was so true to those first century believers that i believe that as they lived their life they lived with that expectation that anticipation that at any moment at any day jesus could come again Rather that be in the rapture of his church or in the fullness of the second coming. That at any moment, at any time, that would happen. And yet people now scoff at that and say, oh, you guys have been saying that for years. Peter addresses that. He addresses about the fact that our God is long-suffering, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting or eternal life. Peter warns the church that deceivers are everywhere. And yet God's not surprised by any of that. None of that takes God by surprise. These detractors have always been there since the very beginning of time. Detractors and those that would come against God's plan and God's people have been there. We look back even in the early pages of Genesis. We see angels who have turned away from their correct place. We see a wide variety of people, both in Old Testament and New Testament, that again, come against and pressed against and tried to distract and dissuade the plan of God and the people of God. Peter sees the same thing happening in the first century church. But gang, unfortunately, it didn't end there, did it? We're 2,000 years now into this thing and deceivers and antichrists and false teachers are still there and they still penetrate within the church. This book, 2 Peter, was probably written just shortly after First Peter. They figure it's probably written around 66 to 68 AD. Most historians agree that Peter was martyred for his faith around 68 AD. Do you realize that's only some 30, 35 years since the death, burial, and, and resurrection of Christ? 30 years and already the infiltration within the body of Christ of these false teachers was there. Peter writes... With a pastor's heart, he cares about the people. Peter's not trying to build his own kingdom. He cares about the people that he's been in touch with, the people that he's heard of, the people that he knows are trying to live their life of faith in a dark world. He's concerned that the sheep are cared for. He's concerned that they're not taken advantage of. He's apparently, he's, all, he's already seen, he's already heard about these charlatans that have come into the church trying to build either their own kingdom or get some place or status for themselves or bringing in false teachings, false understandings of what the truth of the word of God was. And he knows that some of the people within the church are already following these false teachers, they're already following a false gospel. Peter's concerned about the eternal welfare of his readers. Apostasy, false teaching, deceptive leadership of the flock already within the church. The body of Christ needed to keep their attention focused on the plan and on the purpose of God and the reality of his return. That's what this book is about. Peter wanted the church to be aware, but not be afraid. They needed to be found faithful and not be led away by these errors of the wicked, as he calls them. Peter calls for the church to be the guardians of the faith. Do you realize that you, yourself, seated there this morning, if you call Christ as your savior, you have been appointed as a guardian of the faith. Yes, you but I don't know enough about the faith, then you need to learn. You need to learn so that you're not deceived and so that you can bring loving correction to those that you know, that may be being led astray or may not even know the truth and the hope of the gospel. We, not as pastors, not as leaders, but we as the body of Christ, are called to be guardians of the faith. That's why we find in 2 Peter this tone and, and certain statements that, that speak very much about the responsibility of the believer to live his or her life in full accordance with the will and the plan and the purpose of God. And Peter makes these statements, these very, very clear statements that are possibly going to cause some wandering believers to maybe even doubt their salvation. And I think that's a good thing. Because if we're wandering from the truth and faithfulness to the scripture, maybe we do need to doubt our salvation. Well, pastor, I, I need the encouragement of it. And get your encouragement from the Spirit of God working within you. Not because I'm going to come and pat you on the back and say, Oh, that's okay. That's okay. You're probably saved. That's not going to work. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, when the word says every man at the end will stand before God in judgment. But my pastor said that I'm okay. Don't you dare say that. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to try and soften the words of Peter. What I am going to try to do, though, is to bring it into the context of all that the word of God says including those very words of Jesus. And at times, yeah, some of you are going to be very uncomfortable with what's being said. It's not going to be a feel-good book, but hopefully it's going to be an instructive book. It's in the very first chapter where he makes that declaration, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, right at the very beginning. And then throughout this whole short book, as we continue on, I want you to be challenged to assess your own walk in Christ. Your walk as a believer and your commitment to the things of God. I want you through the word of God and by the spirit of God to say, "Lord, where am I in the midst of this?" I've been going to church for years and years and these things, they're they're not real in my life. Then find out why they're not real. At the end of the day, you don't have another chance, beloved my calling as a pastor is to bring as many into the kingdom as I can and to make certain that those who believe that they are going, that they really and truly are going. They're not being led astray by a lie or deceit or by a false hope because they've joined this or they've done this or gone through this. No, what's gonna make the difference is the reality of the spirit of God within you. My hope is that you go away from these studies, not with the attitude, oh, I just need to try harder. And that's the unfortunate reality a lot of you, even this morning, may go out of these doors saying, oh, I just need to try harder. But beloved, that's not the case. That's not the case. The case is, I need to draw closer. I need to draw closer to the Lord. Because the closer we are to the very presence of Christ in our life, you know what? The old stuff will fall away. We'll be ashamed of those things. And we don't want to be thinking that. We don't want to be processing that. We don't want to be walking that way or doing those things. We don't want to maintain that hatred, that bitterness, that unforgiveness. No, because I'm in the very presence of Christ who forgave me of all my sin. How could I not forgive the temporariness of what was done to me by someone who's just as fallible as I am? There's a grand difference between these two thoughts. I need to work harder versus I need to draw closer. And one of those, the the one is a grand dependence upon what myself can accomplish. I need to work harder, that's something that I do. But when I understand I need to draw closer, then it's focused on the reality of what's already been accomplished for me in Christ, what Christ has already done on my behalf. And I focus on that. And in that, that's where I see the changes start coming to me. It's not a forced thing at that point in time. The time left, I want to touch on just a couple of verses here in Second Peter. First few verses there in Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us many things that pertain to life. Is that what it says? Are you guys watching? Are you listening? Okay, correct me on those things. He has given to us how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through working harder? No. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. The very first thing we see here is the order in which Peter introduces himself. He says, I'm a doulos. I'm a bond servant. I'm a, I'm a slave His life was no longer his. His schedule wasn't his. His plans and his futures, no longer his own. He was a slave to King Jesus, and he lives his life in doing his master's bidding and for the master's good pleasure. He understands that. But you know what? Every one of us are called into that same calling. We are called to be the slaves of Christ, to be his servants, to be the doulos of Christ. It's not my future, it's not my plans. No, Lord, you direct me, you, you direct my path. I might make a plan, but Lord, you direct my steps. Lord, you bring into my life what you desire. You take away from my life what you desire. I'm at your beck and call. Peter understood what a slave was because they were all around him. Peter understood that a slave at any moment of any day, the master might say, hey, I need you to do this and take care of this. And what was the slave's hand? You know what? I'm really busy right now because I plan today to go and do this and this. Would that work? No. And that's the heart that we need to have toward Christ. When the Spirit says, speak to this person, visit This person? Ah Lord, I'm just so busy, I've got so many things. Peter wouldn't understand that in a slave's life, and neither should you and I. Even as he addresses his readers, he addresses them as brothers and sisters. He says, To those who obtained a, a like and precious faith with us. You see, there's an equality at the foot of the cross. There's an equality that so desperately needs to be recognized and displayed within the church of today. You and I need to realize that places of responsibility, whether it be an apostle or a pastor or a deacon or an elder or a Sunday school teacher or a leader of the church of any way, shape or form, everything about it, they are places of service within the kingdom. They're not places of exaltation equality comes in view of the fact that we all come to Christ the very same way. Every one of us. The rich man, the powerful man doesn't come to Christ any other way than the guy that's down and out and has tried to ruin his life through every kind of excess in his life. They both come to Christ the very same way. Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I don't care if you're the bank owner or the bank robber. You come to Christ the same way. That's why it's equal ground at the cross. And none of us, none of us at all bring anything to the table. That's why God could speak just as powerfully through the mouth of a donkey as he does through any human vessel. Amen? You're not embarrassing me about it. I realize it. And I realize sometimes it's kind of difficult to tell the difference between the two. (laughs) It's God's work. It's God's power. It's God's plan. It's the equipping of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God that makes anything of anything we do in the kingdom useful. And as soon as it becomes something that I'm capable of doing through my own powers, through my own abilities, guess what? It ends up being wood, hay, and stubble. And it gets burnt up at the end of the day. Oh, Lord, look what I've done on your behalf. Foof, and it's ashes. How about, Lord, what you've done, what you have done through a cracked, chipped, stained, soiled vessel? That's the gold, silver, and the precious jewels. That's why Peter tells us here the very source of anything we have that's worth anything comes from god the father what does he say in verse three it's his divine power that's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue It was, it is, and it always will be the work of God in our lives as we simply draw closer to him through knowledge and obedience. Knowledge and obedience. And only then can that blessing that Peter gave to the church in verse 2 really be true in our lives. It's only as we see that, man, it's the Lord that's working in my life, that grace and, 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 and peace is multiplied within my life. If I'm doing it all on my own, I always have to try harder. It's never going to be good enough. But when I come to that point, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, then I can have, start having that peace. And I understand the reality of his grace that in my failings, he still works through me. And he says that it'd be multiplied to you. I think we touched on that at the beginning of First Peter. How many of you would rather have your paycheck at the end of the week added to versus multiplied? Mm-hmm. I, multiplied is sweet, Right? multiply. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. That's what God wants to do for you this year. He wants to multiply his grace and his peace within your life. And some of us, I know we need a, we need a multiple of grace in our lives. And some of you, I know this morning, you need a peace multiplied in your life because life is just an absolute turmoil right now. Oh, that the peace of Christ might reign and rule in our hearts and lives through Christ Jesus. God's grace, God's peace, how much we need it. I beg of you, I implore you. How's that? That's a little bit better word. I implore you, do not turn over a new leaf. It's probably moldy on the other side anyway. (laughs) How about simply turning a new direction? You see, turning a new direction calls for repentance. He says, Lord, I've been going the wrong way. It's not that I hate you, God. It's just that I haven't loved you with everything that I am. All that I am. Turning over a new direction and press into your relationship with Christ. To help you understand how that new direction begins in our lives. I want to close with one more word from C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. How is it that my life is changed day by day? I love what C.S. Lewis says here. And it's convicting, yes, even to me. He says, it comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All of your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back. And in listening to that other voice taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in and so on all day long. Standing back from all of your natural fussings and frettings and coming in out of the wind. So easy to begin a day just a half a degree off mark. And just keep going and keep going and keep going till at the end of the day. Lord, I've been gone from you all day. Been gone from you all day. Not even in wickedness. Not even in, in, in gross sin. But Lord, I haven't been with you. That's what he desires, beloved. That's what he desires. He desires that fellowship. He desires to show himself, to reveal himself in amazing ways in every aspect of your day. In the big things, but more often than not, in the small things, in those little things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this. Wow, Lord, that's amazing. He wants to do that in our lives. And the more that happens in our lives, the more consistency we see of that in our lives. You know what? These other things of the flesh, those things of the world, suddenly they're just falling off. falling off. Why? Because I'm pressing into the presence of Christ, how he desires for us to do that. So beloved, let the grace and the peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord.
0: It's easy to overlook the smaller books of the New Testament, such as this short letter of 2 Peter. That's why it's so great to have a teaching like the one you heard today, where Pastor David was able to remind us of its importance and take us deeper into the meaning behind the words. If you want to keep studying through these audio messages, Pastor David is here to share with you how you can do that.
1: Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. In his letter, the Apostle Peter spoke forcefully of the coming day of the Lord, where the earth will pass away and everything here will be gone. He gives us instruction on how we should live in light of this fact and encourages us to diligently pursue godliness. These teachings from so long ago are still practical lessons for living a godly life that we need to study and apply today. We hope you've been encouraged but also challenged to go deeper in your walk with Christ. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David's message. Be sure to join us again to continue studying 2 Peter right here on The Open Word.